You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning, church. New Covenant, it's good to see you. I am Adam. If you don't know who I am, I'm a pastor here at the church, and it is pleasure to welcome you and greet you if you're watching from home. So glad that you're with us as well. And happy Sunday. Happy hot days. Are, I mean, back to school bash is happening next week. Like, back to school. Like, like that's, that's, that's a really important part of that. Like, summer's ending. It's crazy. Uh, but we want to invite you to that event, invite friends, invite everybody that you know. It's going to be an amazing time, uh, so much fun. We just get to be outside together, um, slides, and we're going, to have, um, I, we're going to have a couple little surprises out there that I, I don't want to mention at this point, but food trucks for sure. We have, uh, I've, I believe there is a dunk tank, and I believe they are asking some of your leaders to be in that dunk tank. So... If you've ever dreamed of dunk, dropping me into a bucket of water, um, I, may, I may end up in that thing. So um, this could be that. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, come on out for that. And uh, also, just to let you know, we are collecting supplies for students and families that are going back to school that, that need some help. Um, and if you want to participate in that, there's information about that at the, uh, at the Connect desk up front. You can find it. On online, on our, um, on our website, Linktree, all those things you can find. We need, we're going to be supplying backpacks for kids going back to school, and we just, um, we're inviting you to participate in that. Get some supplies, bring them in, donate them, let us, let us know, have that. We're going to be filling those up this week, uh, building the backpacks, so we're going to, we need you to jump on that, please. We've been announcing it for a few weeks, so there are supply lists um, up at the front and online, so you can go ahead and join us in that. Um, all right, so we are going to be in Luke, uh, Luke 10, excuse me, Luke 10. We're going to be in Luke 10. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles around you uh, and the chairs around you as well. The scriptures will be up on the slides as well. Uh, this is a, a longer text. I'm going to read half of it now and then the other half in a little bit. But this is, um, this is called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to read just the first part of it. Verse 25, it says, And behold, the lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Have you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, as the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We're going to pause it right there. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. We need it to bring us life, to bring change to us. We ask that your spirit would uh, just continue to move in this place and help us to be changed by this, by this word. Not my words, but your words. We need you, God, as you have met us already. We need to continue for your spirit to bring light into our darkness. And we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, today we're talking about generosity. We're in this series, Built Together. That we have been built 
together by God, a community, a people. And as we think about these, these different categories of what it means for us throughout the Bible to, to consider what it means to be built together, to understand life together, that we're not individual entities, but we are that plus a whole lot more. He has, he has knit us together. He's built us together, constructed us together. And uh, as a part of that is this idea of generosity. And I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I, I consider myself, generally speaking, to be a, a generous person, a giving person. But there, there's definitely been a spot in my life where this is, this, this is tested more than others. And I've talked to you about it before. I even brought it up a little bit last week. But I feel like there's really these two areas in my life that I just confess to you regularly. It's my driving and food. <laughs> and see, and it's this area of food that kind of is a, a warning light for me in terms of my generosity. And I wanted to bring to you and show you a, a piece of food that is especially hard for me when it comes to generosity, and it is this. I love this. Now, I don't love it just from anywhere, because some people don't know how to do it. But this is a black and white cookie. This is like from my childhood, Italian bakeries, Jewish delis, like those two know how to make it best. Those two happen to be what I'm made of. <laughs> It's a black and white cookie. And, and you can ask my kids, and my wife was kind of laughing at me yesterday as I was thinking about this. I was like, is there an area in my life where I just, generosity is really a hard thing? She's like, yeah, it's with food. I, and especially with this, because, you know, when you have little kids throughout the years, and she was saying, it especially cracks me up that throughout the time, even when our kids were little, you know, they would like want to take a bite of your cookie or have a sip of your milkshake or it's always you know, have, have, a, have a fry, you know, a French fry. And it's just like, no. And she would laugh because I, I just would not give in. I know, there are, some, there are some people around this church, you know, quietly, hallelujah And I think about this one especially because my kids love these now too. And it's always, whenever we buy them, and listen, Doris Italian Bakery is some of the best ones. Um, but especially when I, get, when I have one of these and they're like, hey, can we cut it in half or can I take a bite? I mean, it is everything in me. <laughs> and, and most times it's no. And I feel convicted enough to like, you know, realize that this is a, this is a I mean, even for me not to eat this right now is, is extremely tough. And no, none of you can have any of it after the fact. It's a stupid little thing, this cookie. But it represents something a lot bigger. And I'm overstating it, of course, in my life and in the life of my family. But it is, it is a piece. It is a, an alert that there are things in our lives that, that kind of hold us back from giving. That hold us back from serving, hold us back from being generous in ways that we, we feel like we just might consider ourselves to be generous people. Like if someone asks you, you're generous, like, yeah, I'm generous. Like I can, I can do this, that. And I, I would put myself in that category. And then there's this little element that'll come up and kind of prick at your conscience and going like, but what if, what about this? 
See, we, we, we all have it, right? We all have our cookie. <laughs> we all have this area in our life, this blind spot, this boundary issue. We want to give, we want to be generous, but we often create very specific categories and boundaries in like which of the areas that I can do it and it doesn't really bother me. But once we cross over into this other line, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody just relax and back off. I'm generous enough. See, this, this area, and, you know, I was hesitating to even preach on this because it, it's crazy time right now. Like, we're going to talk about being generous in a, in a moment in our history where inflation is skyrocketing, things cost so much more than ever, wages are not matching inflation, not matching the, the rise in the, the costs of living. And yet at the same time, I was like, yeah, but this, this is the time to talk about it. Because it's, generosity is never meant to be at a time when things are comfortable. It's, it's never, and we're going to talk about this later, but it's never meant to be a, a, a thing that brings, that puts us at ease. It always is supposed to tug at us, pull at us. You see, generosity is so important in the, in the life of the of the follower of Jesus in the life of the church, in the life of the body, that it's actually one of our values as a church. You know, we've done series over the time, you know, that go through different values, and I just put them up for you. We phrase them in terms of what matters. And, and it's a progression. Truth matters. Worship matters. People matter. Growth. And our last one, it's not because it's the least important, but it's because... It's, it's important enough to, to make the list that generosity matters. Not just to us individually, but to us as a people. Our, our directing scripture as a church is Jeremiah 29, verse 7. It says, but seek the wholeness of the city where I've sent you in to exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its wholeness you will find your wholeness. So, you know, a, a very community-grounded vision, a scripture, and I, I'm not going to preach the scripture. We'll probably hit that again in January when we kind of renew and rehash our, our vision and mission. But, like, living this out requires a generous mind, a generous heart. It requires a generous vision. See, truth shapes how we worship. And we have, been, we have been talking about that for weeks and weeks and weeks, about what does it mean to be a, a body who worships God. And we, we touched on it again today, even during our time of singing, our worship time. Truth and worship shapes our value of people. And because of that, growth is essential. So you see how we go truth, worship, people, growth. And that informs what growth looks like. And that is it's generosity. Generosity brings life. It creates joy. Giving creates joy and it builds up the body. So here's a question for you, for me. Are you generous? 
I'm going to help unpack what that even means today in the, in the little bit of time we have left. But this is a question for all of us because God is a generous God. This is at his very core of who he is when we look at what he has done, his very character, how he gives and gives and gives to people that are undeserving. And so, no, this isn't a, this isn't a message just about money. It's not. It's about a heart posture of, of, of who we are and who we want to be. See, if generosity matters like we say it does as a church, then we need to know what it is, what it looks like. We can think we're generous in, in areas of life that are easy and don't affect our lifestyle, right? We can be like, yeah, and I'm so, you know, I consider myself generous. I do this, I do this. But it never, it never pulls at you. It never hurts. But then there's that cookie. And it just kind of... Like, no, I'd rather just give you a lot of money than give you my cookie. <laughs> and that, whatever that cookie is for you, it starts to reveal the boundary lines to our generosity. And it's a, it holds us back. It holds us back in every sense of the word. Emotionally, physically, mentally, of course, spiritually. So there were a lot of places I could go to talk about generosity, and I, I chose this story, this, this parable, the Good Samaritan, because I think it gives us a picture, a wide picture of generosity. See, it's not just about, okay, here's guys, we need, to, we, need to, we need to give our money and give our money and give our money. No, that, that's not the point. See, the point is bigger. It's a, it's a hard issue. It's a, it's a holistic vision of what it means to be generous. It teaches us about being a good neighbor, and being a good neighbor is all about radical, shocking generosity. So when, I want you to hear this, that generosity is a lifestyle in which we share what we have as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. Let me say it again. Generosity is a lifestyle in which we share all that we have as a demonstration, the demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. So we got we to gotta look at both of those, God's love, God's grace, and this picture, this story helps us out. See, living biblical generosity is going to transform our lives. It's going to transform our minds, our hearts, and it will transform the church. And that's what we want. Not just the church like our local church. That's important to me, to us. But the, the Christian church, the body of Christ, this idea of being built together, generosity impacts in powerful ways. And so, look, I, I want to summarize what, what's happening here and then bring out some application points to help us finish. So what I read, the first half of this parable, there's a lawyer stands up, right, to test Jesus. Now, this is not an attorney like we would have attorneys in terms of the law of the land. This would be a lawyer who is well acquainted, a teacher of the law of God, that kind of lawyer, okay, a, a, a God lawyer, a, a God's word lawyer, a God law lawyer, <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Lawyer would be skilled in religious law. So he stands up to test Jesus, right? And so Jesus, 
here's why he's testing Jesus. Jesus has made a, made a pattern of hanging out with people who break the law of God. Who he, He's talking to people who rub against the law of God, the, God's, God's word, right? He's, he's trying to reach people who don't know him. And so he's hanging out with what we would call sinners, right? What he would call sinners. And so the religious people, the lawyers, they were angry because they felt like he did not respect God's law. He's coming in saying, I'm, I'm from God, I'm from God, I'm from God. But I, he would say, like, I don't, they, they would feel like he didn't respect the law of God. He thinks, and so he tests Jesus thinking Jesus is going to say something like, well, you know, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Don't worry about the law. God doesn't care. And so the lawyer is testing Jesus thinking he's going to trap Jesus. He says to Jesus, you know, what, what's the law? Jesus turns it all around and <laughs> exposes him. He finds his, his cookie. <laughs> See, he says, look, you, you know the law, right? How, how do you read the law? So the lawyer summarizes God's law. He says, I want you to, God's law tells us to love God with everything, heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That, that's, that's the law of God wrapped into this, this command, these two words. So Jesus says, absolutely, you got it, you nailed it. Now I want you to go do that and you're going to live. Go love your neighbor as yourself. See, and, and here's, the, here's the pivotal moment, okay, and why these moments are so shocking and why these are the moments that led people to want to kill Jesus. Right? A story about a Samaritan lying in the middle of a road, which we'll get to that in a sec, is not shocking to us, but it's so shocking to them. See, <laughs> this is the pivotal moment. That he was, and Jesus would deal with the religious leaders over and over and over again about, about their heart and what they valued. And so what should have happened next is the lawyer should have realized like, oh, right, I'm supposed to love God with everything that's in me and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. Right? For all of us, maybe to some degree, we should hear that and go, man, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing a good job. I don't love God the way I ought to. I don't love him with my, all my, my heart, soul, mind, strength. I definitely don't love people with the same vigor that I love myself. And so the lawyer should have heard that, understood that, and said to Jesus, yeah, I don't, I, I need God because I can't do this. But, but instead, what happens? He says, desiring to justify himself, Who's my neighbor? Right? He's getting, he wants to get technical. He wants to get real down and dirty. He's like, okay, maybe I don't. I, I mean, he's saying, I, I want, he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to justify his lack of love, his lack of worship to God by trying to find the loophole. Trying to find the minimum, the minimum requirement, like, okay, love my neighbor as myself. Well, before I confess to any right or wrongdoing, let me just make sure I understand who that is. Who, who is my neighbor? And that's it, man. Jesus exposes him. 
That's the cookie. He gets it. He wants to justify himself instead of recognizing his hopelessness. He wants to show that he's right and that he's actually done what's required. And so he says, well, let me tell you. Just tell me who my neighbor is. I'm going to tell you how much I love them. But I really want to know who's not my neighbor because I don't want to love them. That's, that's the loophole, right? I mean, as a parent, I have over the years, we have over the years talked to, you know, one child would be like, hey, you need to love your brother or you need to love your sister. And they'll be like, okay, I know. But what if he does this? What if he hit me? What if, what if she says, I hate you? Do I still have to? Right? It's like in an effort to justify himself or herself, they want to find out what is the line that I, okay, I have to love them, but there has got to be some moment that that shifts and I don't have to do that anymore. And that's, this is a grown man, lawyer. He asks, what's the minimum I need to do? So Jesus tells this story. He tells this story. He says, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down by that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he saw him, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you Spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Look, this is the story. It is a story of shocking generosity. Right? I mean, this is what the story is teaching. You, you want to know. He's trying to tell the Lord. You want to know what the absolute minimum is to truly follow God. But it is about loving God so much that your love for others will be shocking. About loving God so much that your love for others will be shocking. Because this story is shocking. It's not shocking to us because we read it. We're like, ah, eh, priest, whatever, Levite, whatever, Samaritan, whatever. You know, Some guy showed... One of the three, one out of three, <laughs> showed love to this. And so as long as I'm one out of three, you know, I just need to do good and do better. It's, it's, it's so much bigger than that. Because we need some, some cultural understanding of what's going on. See, this was most likely, the person in the ditch was mo most likely a Jewish man. Because he's talking to a Jewish audience. It's most likely a Jewish man who was walking down the road. And what happens? He gets jumped, uh, robbed, stripped, beaten, half dead, lying on the side of the road. This would have been a specific road that, that stretched between Jerusalem and Jericho. It was called the, the Pass of Blood. Because it was dangerous. You, like, you know, like when you're in a bad neighborhood, there are things you just do and don't do. This was one of It was a bad neighborhood. If you were walking down that stretch alone by yourself, like, you're going to get jumped. You're going to get in trouble. 
So then we're, we're presented with people who actually come to some measure of, of understanding of what has just happened to this guy. They, they see him, they walk near him, but they make decisions based on who they are. And so the first thing you see is there's a priest. The priest would have been the guy. He would have been the top of the food chain in the, the church, in the temple, in the religious leaders. This would have been the shepherd. This Jewish man lying in the road. A priest comes along. You would have... You would have if you're listening in that moment, Jesus telling the story, they're like a priest come, they'd be like, oh, thank God. Somebody who loves is coming to help. He would have known the law. He would have given money to the temple. He would have known what it means to follow God. What happens? Seize him. pushes him aside, walks away. Then a Levite comes along. That's what he says, a Levite. Okay, this would have been another rank in the temple system, in the Jewish system, very high up, follower of God, knew, knows the law, would it be giving. So they're like, all right, that priest was having a bad day. The Levite's coming along. They would have thought, okay, he's, he's got it. He doesn't got it. He moves on. He goes. He, he sees him. He goes to the other side, passes by. <laughs> then... This third guy comes along and is identified as a Samaritan. This is where things would have gotten uncomfortable, and you would have felt the tension in the room start to escalate. If you think Jesus doesn't deal with racial issues, with tensions, with justice issues, like this is, this is it, because the Samaritan people and the Jewish people hated each other. Racial enemies because of a lot of reasons. We don't even have time to go into it all. The Samaritan, they, they hear a Samaritan's walking down the road. In that story, in that moment, there would have been a collective gasp, like, don't, like, don't tell me he's going to stop. There's no way. Samaritans were hated, severe religious and racial hatred between Israel and Samaritans. And this is where the story just takes a turn and where we start to see generosity in a whole new light. See, generosity often looks a lot different than we think, that the truest and most fulfilling expression of life is loving my neighbor. And we have talked about this throughout this series, throughout this Built Together series, this story is given to us not as an exact manual on how to show generosity or how to love other people well, right? It's not a manual on how to do that. It's like, well, if you see a dying person on the side of the road, you must stop, give them two denarii, <laughs> whatever it is. It's not a manual. No, no, listen, the story is given us to blow up and expose our bad ways of thinking. And we all have them. Just this, this stupid little cookie exposes in me something that is ugly and unhealthy. There are those moments where we feel like we have this following Jesus thing down. Or we feel like maybe you don't follow Jesus here. And you're just here and you just feel like, I'm just a really good person. man. I, I do good things. I, I, I don't really, you know, I like Jesus. I like his teaching, but I don't. Like, I don't feel like I need to do everything he says. I'm, I'm pretty good. I think in the end it's going to be all right. Look, for all of us, it's a moment where Jesus is showing, like, we, we need help. 
This guy, this, this lawyer wanted everything God had to offer. And intellectually, he knew what that meant. But Jesus blows it up and he says, I want you to understand what this really looks like. And he's telling this guy, you think you have it all together. You have it all figured out. Loving people is so much bigger and more complex than you can imagine. And it's also more beautiful than you can imagine. And it's harder than you can imagine. It is all the things. Loving your neighbor is, is this. It's like this. You now go and do the same. And, and the question for all of us is how can any of us live this way? We're barely making it ourselves, right? We're, we're trying to understand what it means to, to, to just like hold it all together in, in, in and of our own little circles of life. And we're told to now, I want you to think about what it means to be generous and be, be loving to neighbors and reaching out uh, across barriers that exist that, that create all kinds of tension within us. See, and, and a lot of us can just take the, the road of saying, all right, well, I'm just going to be a more moral person. I'm just going to do it. You're right, Adam. Like, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to do it. I know. I'm very progressive. I'm very socially conscious. I, I, I love social justice. And so, you know, I have to live like this. I need to be concerned about the poor. If people have needs, I, I need to meet them. That's one path, right? That's a, that's a moral path. There's even a religious side to that moral path, right? Hey, the Bible tells us to do this, so I'm going to go do it, okay? Whatever religious book you subscribe to, maybe you know, if it's not the Bible, you're like, yep, the, this book tells me to go do that, so I'm going to live better. I'm going to do, do more. Look, that's the moral path, and it, it's okay, it, but it, it only gets you so far because it all motivates us through guilt, Right? We, we sit back and we're like, ah, oh, man, there's so much to do. I better, I better do it. And if I don't do it, I'm just, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm, I'm riddled with it. It doesn't work. Look, Jesus puts two of the most moral people in the story. The priest and the Levite, they, they would have been the moral people of the day. He puts them at the center of the story and he says, watch what they do. They know better, but something Something grips them and they keep walking. When it came to real generosity, real sacrificial love, they could not do it. Morality will only get you so far. Guilt will only get you so far. It doesn't take us to where Jesus wants to go. See, then there's path number two. Path number one is the moral path. Path number two is the gospel, okay? It is the gospel path that it's not about rules. It's not about formula. It is about the body, the community. It is about thinking beyond our, the, the barriers that hold us back. He says, love like this, this kind of generosity, Here's where it comes from. It comes from an, an amazement for how loving God is towards us. That's not morality, man. That is something different. That is gospel grace and understanding. It's a kingdom mindset. It is a community mindset. It is understanding the body that he is the head and he has loved us so much unconditionally over and over and over again that we are just like, whoa. It's just like Ryan was talking about today. He's trying to like in those moments of us singing kind of give us little jarring wake-up calls like, hey, we're singing about something really important here. Let me help you. That's good. This is Jesus doing here. It's what I'm doing right now. Like it's these wake-up calls to say God has loved you with an everlasting, unconditional, relentless, pursuing love. So if you understand that, 
when you're walking down the street and you see the man dying, lying half dead on the road, no matter who he is or she is, your response to that love is, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love her. See, we ask the wrong questions. We are like the lawyer. We want to be like him, and we want to say, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Let's just outline it. I'm, I'll, I'll take notes. I won't take notes on anything else, but I will take notes on this. You tell me what my neighbor looks like, and, and I'll do my best to love him or her. Right? We ask the wrong questions. Who's my neighbor? What's it going to cost? What if they don't deserve my help? See, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is this. What, what if I were lying in the ditch? That's the question. What if I was beat up, broken, alone, left for dead, in the ditch? What would I want? What would I need? What if I were the one in desperate need of mercy, in desperate need of help? Would that change the way I live? And Jesus' point in this parable is that we are the ones in the ditch. He's putting the lawyer in the ditch. The lawyer that asks him is like, hey, what, what do I need to do? And Jesus is like, I know you're trying to trick me. I want you to understand you are hopeless without me. And he puts the lawyer in the ditch, bringing the, the racially hated anti-hero to the rescue to save, to heal, to bring life, to love. And he says to us, we are the ones in the ditch, and he comes to us. We were his enemy, and we were, we were hopeless without him. And God comes to us to save us, to, to rescue us from that condition, to give us generous love, generous provision, always, constantly, even when we hated him. Jesus identifies himself as the hero, and he identifies himself with the hated Samaritan in the story. This is how God has loved you. It needs to affect us. It needs to dig deep down into us. Rules aren't going to get us there. A, a true generous life is by, is by recognizing how much we have been given the Bible talks about this throughout all the pages. We could go back to the wisdom literature in Proverbs where it talks about the wicked and the righteous. And this is how it defines generosity in terms of the wicked and the righteous. The wicked in, in, in old Jewish culture would be the one who disadvantages the community to advantage himself. But what does it say about the righteous one? The righteous is one who disadvantages himself or herself to advantage the community. That was, that was biblical culture. That was, that's what Jesus is teaching in this parable and in other parables and what the Bible is teaching throughout all the pages, that there is a selflessness that comes when we understand who God is and when we understand the community that he has put us in. Where do you see yourself? You see, that disadvantage part is hard for us, man, because we want to give enough to where we feel good about ourselves, but often not enough to where it disadvantages ourselves, right? I'll give you a bite of my cookie, 
but I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm not even give you half the thing because I really want it. That's a small example of what happens to us on a much larger scale. The only way that we can live like that is by seeing God's shocking generosity toward us. And when we understand our condition and who God is, we will see the world differently. We will love differently. We will be generous. We will disadvantage ourselves to strengthen the community, the body. We will live as though we have been built together, caring for each other, providing for each other. That is what it means to be generous with one another. The guy says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus comes back to him and says, who do you think was a neighbor to you? Generosity is not so much about how much you give, but about how much you love. Generosity is not so much about how much you give, but how much you love. And maybe more important, it's not about what you give, but what you love. Because if you love God most, stuff will not have as big a hold on you as they do. But when we love stuff most, God will not have the place he needs in your life to bring real change in life. And that's the challenge for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I, I want to help us think a little bit practical about what this looks like. I've given you a, a framework, right, for generosity. This is just one passage out of many in the scriptures that talk about generosity. But now, how does this look like every day for you and for me, right? There's not a lot of times you're, you're walking down the street and there's a man lying dead in the ditch for you to help. It's just, you're like, glad that doesn't happen often so I don't have to worry about living this. <laughs> no, no, here's, here's, it does impact us every day because God has put people in your life regularly to challenge you to, to say, am I going to share the cookie or not? <laughs> The generous person is one who gives. Gives. Now, day in and day out, what is that going to mean for you and for me? Three things quickly as we finish. It's going to indicate how generosity is, is something that helps the community, helps people. It hurts not the community, it hurts us, right? I mean, we looked at the, the disadvantaging of oneself. And the best news of all, how much it heals people and the community. I'm going to go quick through this. Look, generosity is a practical way that we help one another. The practical things that we do to meet the needs of others. You have to have your eyes open to see Okay, you have, to, you have to be intentional about seeing the need around because it says, when he saw him, he had compassion and went to him. When he saw him, he had compassion and went to him. See, we like to ask the wrong questions, right? We're just like, ah, did he deserve it though? Like, what was he doing on that road? He probably started the fight. He probably, yeah. It, it, you know what? Pick yourself up, buddy. Like, do better next time. It's not the right question. It's not the first question to ask. But that, come on, let's be honest, right? Like that's, it's kind of what we do. Person's hurting, broken, in need. We're like, what did you do to get yourself in this? Like that's kind of the first question we ask, and it's, it's terrible. 
We have to switch that. We have to switch that. See, we see the need. Generosity kicks in. If you, and if you have the ability to meet the need, you know what? We meet it. And then we can maybe ask some of those questions later, after the fact. See, and let me just tell you something. This church here, okay, let me bring it hyper-local. The, the, your generosity is helping people in need. It is helping people. It is helping create life in this church. I want to give you some, some quick points of where that's happening. For one thing, your generosity as you give towards the tithes and offerings here, the offerings that, that, we, that we take up each week, we do it digitally, there's boxes in the back. When you give, it is going, first of all, it's, it's providing opportunity for people to give their, and use their talents and their, their gifts for the glory of God. So we have staff that work here 20, uh, 24-7. It feels like that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> we work throughout the week. We're here in the office. We're, 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 we're doing stuff. We get opportunity to, I get opportunity to study God's word, to meet with people, to, to use the, the things that I think God has called me to do. And your generosity helps that happen. We have staff members like, like Ryan and Gerardo and Sherry and, and Joelle and Sasha. Like These people are freed up because of what you do. You let this place flourish as a hub for, for helping families and kids and moms, hurting people, broken people. Your, your giving allows us to, to house Ema here, every mother's advocate who is, who is reaching, hurting families, hurting moms every single day. You allowed us to sponsor. We have a summer camp that meets here throughout the summer. Your, your giving helped us sponsor about 30 kids who are homeless, familyless, you know, don't have the same family structure that so many of us enjoy. That was over $20,000 worth of your generosity going towards that. On Friday nights, we have youth from all over the, the community, from from. Pompano proper to cities all over. We have somewhere in the area of 60 kids that come out every Friday night that are, that are playing here. They're being fed. Some of them don't have safe places to be on Friday nights. And so we, we're able to provide that and we give them godly teaching and a safe place to be. Grace Place School just celebrated their, their graduation uh, for their summer program. 22 students graduated from their summer job skills program. Uh, we, L'Oreal <laughs> works there. We have, Elizabeth is actually here today. She runs the, the school. These are for kids that are on their last chance, man. They do an academic program during the year. We do a summer program. They do a summer program, job skills. 22 students graduated this, this last week. I got to see the graduation. It was unbelievable. Care Portal is something that, that we're able to, to be a part of, and it is connecting the church to needs in the community with families and children who are at risk of being taken away from their families or who already are taken away from their families. In the past 12 months, we have served 80 children through Care Portal, totaling an economic impact of $32,147. Listen, I could go on and on and on, and we're out of time. Your generosity, I don't want you to gloss over this. It is making a difference. It is providing. These lights are on because of you. And there is life happening here seven days a week. I am telling you, seven days a week, there, is thing, there are things happening here. We could not do that without your generosity. 
and your ability to give. Keep giving. Because not, and let me tell you, it's, it, it's not just that it helps, but generosity hurts. It absolutely hurts. It will always cost us something, right? Always. There's always a cost. Think about the cost it would have taken the Samaritan man to, to give what he gave to this stranger, this hated stranger, racially hated, ethnically hated, religiously hated stranger. He gave, and I promise you it was not convenient. It was not easy. It's not generosity if it doesn't hurt. I consider myself a generous person until this cookie shows up. Then it hurts for some reason. Let's stop asking the question, who's my neighbor? How much do I have to give? C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Man, it's hard. It hurts. My wife and I have made it a practice for the 22 years we've been married to give at least 10% of our income to the local church. And, I, I, and it's off the top at the beginning of the month, that budget item. And when you look at that budget item compare, and all the other things going on and all the needs in the family, we sometimes are just like, whew. But we believe it's right. We believe God has called us to this, that it is important, and that we have never wanted anything because God is faithful as we have in our worship back to him said, money is not going to have a hold on us. If we're really giving generously, we will feel it. Not just our money, but our time, our words, our encouragements, our affirmations to others, our judgments, <laughs> generous generosity of words and, and time and all these other things can, can be some of the ones that hurt the most. And also doing without getting anything back in return. That's when you know you're really acting in generosity. Finally, this is the beautiful thing, that generosity heals. God, in his generosity, healed us, pursued us. He loved us, came to us. The thing we needed most was not more money. It was a new soul, a new heart. He gives and gives and gives generously to us. And that is what our generosity can do to others. It can bring new life, new hope. The Bible tells us that each one should give as his heart is decided. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, but what? God loves a cheerful giver. So the healing element is not even so much what you give, but how you give. Joy, rejoicing can be some of the most healing parts of our generosity. So this is a challenge for us. Have you received God's generosity? Do you know him? Have you put your faith in him? Are you living for him? I don't care what your bank account says at the end of the month or the year, if if you just feel like you're, you're, you're paying your way to God, it's not going to happen. It's got to start with your relationship with him, your heart for him. Do you know his love, his forgiveness, his salvation? If not, today is the day. Put your faith in him.
Put your hope in Jesus. He is the Savior of your soul. He is the only one who can forgive you of your deepest needs. He's the only one who can give you the things that you truly need. Jesus says to the guy, I want you to go and do likewise. That's for us. So here's the call for the week. Go and do likewise. Look for one opportunity to show extravagant generosity, shocking generosity this week. It might be to someone you would never normally do that to. It might be to a family member. It might be to this church. Where is God calling you to show generosity this week? It's one thing to think through as we go from here. We're going to close with a song. I want, let's stand together. God, thank you for being generous, for loving us. We need you to continue that, God. We thank you that you do continue. Even when we don't deserve it, you generously show your love for us. Thank you that you pulled us out of the ditch. And if there's anyone in here, God, still in the ditch, still abandoned, alone in their, in their own devices, their own sin, that you would you'd save them. You'd, you'd go heal them. And that all of us would respond in generosity towards you. How great you are, God. Let us live a life in response to that greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing.